You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Actually, it's the, it's the lead play in our, in our offense. Yes, a YN or a tight end to open up somewhere between 6 feet and 9 feet. Get an isolation with the, with the linebacker. Tell the tackle... What's up, guys? Welcome into Packers Total Access. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. You can email us, Packers Total Access at gmail.com. You can text us, 865-658-5824. I'm joined alongside Tim, live in Green Bay, sitting here. Both of us, you're going to see us doing this the entire time, watching this <laughs> NFC Championship. But uh, it's kind of a watch party in here, if you will, man. As uh, we've seen earlier today, the two top defenses in the league, what what I believe are the two top defenses in the league, they clashed, they cracked heads. And, um, you know, going into that game, Tim, we were kind of wondering, all right, is, is one of these defenses going to give up a ton of points? And will that hurt maybe some of these potential uh, defensive coordinator, um, you know, candidates, right? And, you know, Score being 17 to 10, Kansas City won. I don't think it really hurt anyone's chances. Do you? No, not in not in Baltimore. Not at all. Now the boat race in the making right now that we're watching. Um different the story, NFC, right? <laughs> NFC side might be a different story for the uh 49ers unless this uh they come out swinging in the second half and make this a ball game. But uh looks like Detroit's gonna put another tutter on the board before the half and uh that won't bode well for the San Francisco defensive candidates out there. Um but yeah, you know uh, what? An interesting. Uh, I guess the script, the script uh, conspiracy theories out the window, huh? Looks like we're not going to get a Baltimore yeah. San Francisco Super Bowl after all. So I think they pulled the plug on it and said, you know what? I think we would uh, much rather have Eminem versus Taylor Swift. So there you go, Brittany. <laughs> Brittany, Indiana said uh, Ben Johnson definitely leaving Detroit. If they continue to – oh, boy, they had the scene there. If they continue to carve up this 49er defense, uh, it, probably already done enough, to be honest with you, Brent. I agree with you, man. Um, ben Johnson probably going to be a head coach somewhere, rightfully so, you know, being an offensive coach and just the things he's done there in Detroit. And it's another reason why I'm rooting for Detroit to win the whole thing because, you know, if Detroit wins the whole thing, then they're going to have the worst pick possible, right? And we know they're the ones to knock off in the NFC North right now. Um, on top of that, they'll probably be losing their offensive coordinator. They may lose their defensive coordinator. I doubt it. But um, you want them, you want as many pieces and parts plucked away from that franchise as possible for the Packers' sake, right? Oh, yeah. Um, but you got to give them credit, man. Dan Campbell's got this thing humming. Right now, it looks like uh, they are back inside the 10 with 28 seconds left before halftime. If they somehow come away with seven more points here, yeah, I mean, probably a wrap. <laughs> I think at this point, man, it's it's uh, Dan Campbell and D'Amico Ryan's neck and neck for coach of the year. I, I think we can just say that now. I, at least I, I feel comfortable saying that. Those are my top two finalists. Yeah, definitely. 
Eric Sutherland in the chat said the Ravens thought the NFL would let them keep Taylor Swift out of the Super Bowl. He jokes on them. Hashtag rigged. Like <laughs> Let's see. Greg Rice says, I do not understand forcing the ball into triple coverage in the end zone. Talking about the uh, oh, Lamar Jackson throw down the seam, man. It was uh, just a bad decision. You could see him watching the tape, too. He knew. Soon as, as soon as he – I say watching the tape. As soon as he watched the playback on the on the iPad or the Surface tablet, whatever it is on the sideline, he was like, oh. Was that oh, Andrews he was targeting, the, the big tight end? I'm not sure. One of the white dudes. I'd be speculating, yeah. But uh, he, he put his arm up. You know, he gave the old letter rip, and it's mm-hmm. like, as a quarterback, you got to see <laughs> – you got to see three defenders in the area, man. It was kind of strange bad. too because there was contact there too. Granted, it doesn't yeah. it doesn't negate the mistake of throwing into triple coverage, but um, yeah. the defender did run through the receiver too. And I think that game finished. Uh, Baltimore finished with eight penalties, and Kansas City finished with three. So it's like, what in the world, man? It's just yeah. a, it's a bad look, man. It really is. Uh, let's see. Uh, TV fanatic says Flowers screwed them by trying to screw up or trying to show up the other team would have been by the 10 instead got moved back. Really, there was things that happened on those three consecutive drives that swung that game at, at least 17 points, man, at least. Oh, it's yeah. so important to uh, to keep your head screwed on straight, man, especially in championship weekend. Eric Sutherland said, Josh, I agree, plus them fools in San Fran out there pooping on the sidewalks. <laughs> Lord, have mercy. Eric Sutherland. I've been, I've been hearing stories it. about San Fran, man. I don't know. It sounds pretty bad. Oh, it's gross. That's, I've heard it's pretty gross. Yeah. yeah. Um, Used to be one of the gems of uh, of the United yeah. States, man. One of our best cities. Yeah. Pretty sad. Yeah. Sounds like it's in bad shape now. Um, let's see. Uh, Josh Martin. It's it's weird rooting for the Lions. I agree, Josh, but Dan Campbell is easy to root for. If the Packers are eliminated, it's easy for me to root for that guy. Yeah, I don't I don't like the root. I don't like the R word. I, I save that for my Packers. I, I, I guess I, you you can twist my arm and say maybe I'm pulling. I'm pulling for him, but yeah. I don't know about cheering and hooting and hollering and rooting now. But uh, it would be cool to see the NFC North represented in the Super Bowl for sure. I just love to see all the confusion on the San Francisco 49ers face. That's just my <laughs> personal. So, especially out there in in, in San Fran, too, or in yeah. Santa Clara, I should say. Um, how are you doing tonight, Carly? Oh, man, it's been a day. I'm going to be honest. I'm sitting here folding laundry while we do this because sometimes you just got to do what you got to do. Exactly. We completely understand. We're just kind of recapping the AFC Championship game, and, and we're going to dive into some of the stats from it because, you know, the two top defenses in the league, you know, we're, we're competing in that game and just to kind of see, all right, what, what happened there and is it going to hurt any chances of one of these assistants getting a defensive coordinator job, you know, whether it be from the, uh, from the Baltimore Ravens or the Kansas city chiefs, Kansas city's defense really impressed me a lot. They did. They brought a lot of exotic blitzes um, with Mahomes, It's just, it's like Baltimore just couldn't hit home. Right. That was the big thing for me. But uh, Paul Robertson says after the chiefs beat the Lions. Kelsey will propose to Taylor Swift and the doors for world peace shall, shall open. There you go. Um, oh well, they, it was funny watching them show the box there and show Eminem. Did you guys see the picture of Eminem flipping off the San Fran crowd? No, I missed He's that. hanging out of the box, throwing the birds at him, bro. It's, uh, oh, yeah. the band, those bandwagon fans are adorable, aren't they? Isn't it funny? You never seen anything about Eminem yeah, yeah. at Detroit games until they all of a sudden they're competing. Now it's like, oh, yeah, lifelong Detroit Lion fan. The only other time I seen him at a game was he was at a Michigan game when they were ranked in the top five, too, and they put him on camera there up in the box, right? It's like, so are we just a Fairweather fan there? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> um, Reef in the chat says, defensive players are looking to punch the ball out the goal line. That is nothing new but a rookie mistake, talking about the fumble there from Flowers oh, um, yeah. in the Baltimore game, and you just it's just absolutely horrible. And Jen Wright says, I got a special request. She says, give me, hit me with one of those. Uh... I tried this one chili and it set my mouth on fire and I had to drink a two liter of Mountain Dew. <laughs> you love it. You love to see it. Um, so let's do this. Let's kind of dive into a couple of different things. I've got some screen grabs here I wanted to hit. Um, a few things that was uh, we didn't get a chance to hit on earlier. You know, one of the things that's been brought up and we've talked about Christian Parker, how Still no confirmation on whether or not he's been offered the job. Like I said, with all the beat riders kind of being silent on it, it feels like there's something there. But now that Baltimore has been eliminated, we'll see if any interviews are set up, right? We should hear it pretty quick within the next 24 to 48 hours whether um, some of these assistants on Baltimore's uh, defensive staff are going to set up interviews. So 
We'll see how that shakes out. But, uh, you know, when you talk about Christian Parker being on that Denver staff and just how bad they were this year, especially, you know, specifically with the secondary, it's easy to go, man, why are we going after him? That doesn't mean he can't be a good coach, right? It doesn't mean he can't be a leader of men. It doesn't mean that uh, he hasn't showed promising things in the past. But uh, I'm going to show you guys a screen grab here. Check this out. Speaking of bad teams with good coaches, um, there are now five NFL head coaches from the 2013 Washington football team staff. That team went 3-13 and that season. From that same staff, Kyle Shanahan, who's playing in the NFC Championship, getting his rear end kicked right now. Um, You have Mike McDaniel, who's the head coach in Miami. You have Raheem Morris, who just took the head coaching job in Carolina, I believe. You got Sean McVay, Super Bowl winning coach for the LA Rams, and you got Matt LaFleur. The, look look uh, at that picture of Matt LaFleur, man. Oh, yeah, bro. He's, Lord. Yeah. The, the pre before Matt LaFleur found his swag picture yeah. right there. McDaniel, Wait, I can't even tell which McDaniel one is it. Are you too. kidding me? Yeah, bottom no, that's left. that's yeah, Matty LaFleur, bottom left, man. What? No <laughs> look at Mike McDaniel, too, man. You know, that was, uh, he was heavy on the sauce in those days. Shout out to, uh, Mike McDaniel, uh, living yeah. that sober life right now, mm-hmm. living his best life, uh, looks a lot healthier and doing a lot better. But uh, look at the journey these guys have been on. McVeigh looks the same though, right? He looks like yeah. he hasn't changed at all. Yeah, McVeigh looks the same. Kyle Shanahan looks like he's—I I can't tell—he kind of looks like he's been on a bender, but he always looks like he's been on a bender, right? He looks like one of those guys that would eat seven thousand calories and never gain a pound, too. Oh, uh, I'm not jealous. You can't hear it in my voice, I'm sure, but you know. Um, let's see. Uh, yeah, he did. I agree, man. Sam H says McDaniel looked a lot healthier back then. He was thicker than a bowl of oatmeal, wasn't he? Look at my man right there. He was filled out. Um, hey, all right, there you go. So I thought that was cool to kind of pull up just to say, look, you can't judge a book by its cover, which I think it is funny that the same Packer fans who were sharing this image were the same ones saying, why did we hire Joe Barry when he was on an 0-16 staff? But we'll leave that alone for the time being. Um Let's go on to. Can, the- I, can I ask a question though, Clayton, about about Christian Parker? Does it? It kind of bothers me that he hasn't been a DC, or that we've hired people that have not been DCs in the past. And it feels like I know, I know. I listened to the last show, and I know Tim, you were saying something about, you know, how you know he's kind of been working his way up, and that shows some, you know, promise. But to me, it's almost a little worrisome because he hasn't been that long in any one place. And does that mean maybe he wasn't doing that great? And since he hasn't been a DC before, what makes us think he can come in here and be? you know, do a good job. It just, it just makes me nervous. No. Yeah. I I think that's, I think that nervousness is totally acceptable. You know, like when we pull up his coaching history, 2013 Virginia state graduate assistant, 2014 Virginia state defensive backs coach. So he got promoted the very next year. Then from 2014 to 2015 and through 2016, he took a job at Norfolk state as the defensive backs coach. So he probably got a promotion, got, got more money, right. Better job there. 2017, he gets uh, hired on at Notre Dame as a defensive analyst. 2018, Texas A&M hired him as a defensive analyst. Those are two top programs in college football. Then Green Bay came calling, and he was their defensive quality control coach from 2019 and 2020. And then Denver Broncos hired him as his as their D backs coach um, for 2021 to 2023. So a couple different things come into play here. It's obvious he left a very, very big impression on Matt LaFleur. If indeed this is the guy that gets the job, nonetheless, he left enough of an impression for them for him to want to interview him, right, and get him in front of Mark Murphy. But um, what you see there, Carly, though, is he has gotten promoted really, really quickly, right? And everywhere he's gone, he's impressed. You notice he hasn't been fired, right? Yep. And, and it's like he keeps getting these promotions, keeps getting promotions. Like you go from – the tiny little Virginia State to Norfolk State, that's somewhat of a lateral move, but you've got a position coach there, right? Job. Yeah. Then you go straight to Notre Dame, then Texas A&M, then the Green Bay Packers, and then a defensive backs coach for the Denver Broncos. The Here's the big thing. LaFleur, if he, if he has offered him the job, what he said was, look, this guy's going to be a D.C. sooner rather than later. Let's pull the trigger on him right now. You know, so he sees something in him. Now, will he? Could he? Could he flop? Absolutely, he could. Right? I mean, you, you've never. He's never been a play caller. We know that he's not a passing game coordinator or anything like that. It's a big jump if indeed he does get the DC job. Um, but I think there is something to say about that resume. 
I agree with you, Carly. It, it worries mm-hmm. me, especially seeing how bad their defense was last year, specifically with the secondary. But again, mm-hmm. you know, it, that doesn't necessarily, uh, you know, paint the paint a, a, a complete picture on a coach and what they would do as a DC just because their position group was bad. It, what it tells me is he interviews really well. The fact that he's gotten these promotions so quickly. That's but, true. Yeah. I think. What's and if telling- Matt, oh, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead, Tim. Oh, I was just going to say, I think what's telling with is if we just look as far back as his time, recent time in Denver, is they've been through three coordinators in three seasons, and he's remained with that team. They've Every coordinator that came in there and had a crack at it has decided to retain him. So I think that speaks highly of what he's bringing to the table. Um, but I also wanted to say that I totally agree with your your point, Carly, that you know, it is, it's a gamble to go with a first year DC. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care how experienced you are. You've never been up there scheming a defense, calling plays in a game from the booth or sideline, wherever you're choosing to call it. So that is a huge gamble. However, go big or go home. Um, sometimes when you take those huge gambles, they can, they can pay off really well for you. So, um, and I also think it lends some credence to the thought that maybe an older established DC is is not what this young team needs. Maybe they need a young up-and-comer on the defensive side that can kind of relate well with the players and, uh, you know, push this team to the next level. So there's there's two schools of thought there. Um, but either way, it's a risk. You know, I, I totally agree. Yeah. What were you going to say, Carla? The one thing that does actually more reassure me, too, is the idea that – so Matt LaFleur worked with him – um, before and so Matt knows the play calling duties and I'm actually thinking that maybe why the defense got so much better in the end is that Matt kind of intervened a little bit more than he had in the earlier season and so if if he thinks that he's capable of making that jump then that would be I think yeah the best commendation that someone could have for getting that job because Matt knows what what is at stake yeah I, I think Matt's gonna have Matt, it's obvious he wants to bring someone in that's going to do exactly what he tells him to do, right? And that's not a knock. I'm not trying to, you know, make a backhanded comment there to coach the floor. It is what it is. If he if he wanted someone to kind of take care of the defense himself so he can focus primarily on offense, then you would have hired a, a Wink Martindale or brung in a Leslie Frazier or someone like that. And he may still, right? We don't know. These are just the early stages mm-hmm. of the interviewing process. He may turn around and, and have someone that's, that's been a DC before and a, and a, you know, a highly decorated DC. We don't know. And these are just rumors. And like people pointed out in the chat, it is still kind of strange that we don't have any of the beat reporters reporting on it. Right. Like CL says right here, he says, you know, surprise, there's no beat writers or national media reporting the rumored offer to Parker. You know, it, to me, what's more so um, odd to me or surprises me is that they haven't shot it down. That's the part where I'm like, why? Right. Why not just come mm-hmm. out and go, I haven't heard it. You don't even have to say that's not true. You can just say, I haven't heard that. But the fact that they're mm, really right. makes me think there yeah. might be a little smoke to that fire. But I could be looking too deep into it. So, um, yeah. Well, we, we had a Baltimore Ravens loss today. So uh, we'll see how the, uh, the interview wire starts ramping up this week here. Yeah. yeah. Sam H says, "Cue up the conspiracy." He says the real Slim Shady is either dead or frozen. <laughs> All right. Does look a little different nowadays, but isn't everybody looking different? <laughs> Jim says, "Watching games too has me feeling like the Packers are right there." I completely agree, Jim. That's that. It's it's bittersweet, right? It's nice to know, man. We can compete with the best teams in the league, but it's also like. Man, if we don't throw one of those two interceptions there in the fourth quarter of that game, we probably come out with a dub in that game. We probably we don't drop one or two that we had fall in our lap on defense. <laughs> but hey, that's what happens when your DC is Joe Barry, Tim. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. It's, man, I wish Joe played better coverage, man, when he's out there on the field oh, grinding stop. it out. I wish he had better hey. hands. <laughs> so can I can I ask a quick question? Since you yeah. mentioned the two interceptions, this is something I've been like muddling over in my mind ever since we lost the game (laughs) is so everyone was saying okay yeah that was a high stress moment the end of the game he was trying to make something happen even though when I say he loved 
Jordan Love. And then when he had, but he had a ton of time left and then he threw that interception and everyone's like, well, you know, it's a learning moment. He's going to build on that. But we, he did that twice in the very early season. And we yeah. thought we, he learned from it then. So it's like, wait, why is he making the same mistake again? And that's just been gnawing at me. So I wondered your thoughts. Yeah, no, it's uh, this first thing I thought of too, because immediately people came out and started making excuses for him. Right. And, and, you know, look, I appreciate that. You notice I didn't tweet anything about it because he is a first year starter. But, you know, you go back to early in the season, you hit the nail on the head. I think there was two different occasions where you had plenty of time and he just tried to – it's like he he lost his bearings on what down it was, what distance it was. Because that was a second down interception with a minute to go. Like, And, and that's the thing, too. Like, It's not like, okay, I know what I've got here. I'm going to try to squeeze this into the window. When you're running right and you throw back across your body, you ain't got a prayer in the world in understanding or knowing – where is that backside coverage exactly sitting? Uh, someone sent me a, uh, a meme. I think it was actually Jacob sent it to us. It was funny. Um, I won't be able to pull it up on the screen, but I will uh, be able to explain to you guys what it is. It's a picture of Jordan Love, and he's got a devil on one shoulder and an angel on the other. The devil is uh, Brett Favre, and it says, he's wide open. You can make that throw. <laughs> and the, angel, the angel on the other side, Aaron Rodgers, which looks like an, uh, the most – the angriest angel I've ever seen in my life, by the way, says there are literally three guys on him and it's across the field. Throw it away. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> ah, the first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com. Yeah, I thought that was kind of funny. But, um, you know, when it comes when it comes down to that decision-making, those are the things that when we talk about you know, people were all oh, that. I don't want to hear he's got to he's got to get in game. You know, time he's been in the league for three years. That's what we're talking about. You can't simulate that in practice. You right. Can't. With a with a down, and that's the other thing too. I'm not trying to make excuses for him, but it was pouring the rain, which is another reason why you probably don't try to throw across your body. So it's still a negative mark on Jordan, obviously. But there were a lot of things that just kind of went right for the 49ers there in the second half. Um, and, you know, there were some missed calls too, which we're not going to say that that was the reason they lost, but you know, it is what it is. So, um, yeah, if you're asking my opinion on it, I hope he learns from it because if he doesn't, we're going to, we're going to lose a lot of heartbreakers because you just can't, that is, that's why in the post game press conference, you can tell his eyes were kind of swollen. I think he took it pretty hard. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It is what you want to see. You know, you hate to see somebody go through it, but at the same time, you could tell it's like, all right, he's going to learn from that. Um, I thought Matt LaFleur handled the situation well too. But Tim, what about you? Are you overly concerned about that decision making there with the with the game on the line? Um, no, I'm not. Um, and I'm not super shocked how it went down. I kind of when I saw when I saw it leave his hand, I kind of just stood up and set my remote down and started walking away from the TV. I was, oh, no. almost knew it was just that was it. Um but yeah, it was a little hero ball probably, you know, and uh, I, I think it's one of those moments that is going to stick with him and he's going to think mm -hmm. about that first and 10 with the game on the line. Uh, in the it was first and 10. That's what Drew just yeah, said. I was thinking it was a second. Yeah. Half. It was first oh, he, and 10. He's going to think about that. He's going to think about, man, should I hit the under, you know, or hey, could I have just maybe tucked it and ran, got us three or four yards, got out of bounds. We, we go back up to the line, call another play. All of those things mm -hmm. are going to be burned in his brain. So the next time he's in a situation like that, I got to believe that he'll he'll make a better decision with the ball. You know, you can't – I mean, it's like Zay Flowers today, right? Are you going to fault a guy for outstretching, trying to score a touchdown, you know, in a, in a championship game, trying to help his team win? No, you're not going to 
he's trying to make a play. He got stripped. It's unfortunate. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, it's the same thing with Jordan, just a, a bad decision under duress, a lot of, lot of stress there, two minute, two minute drill, you know, no timeouts. We know the whole, the whole or I believe we did have a couple timeouts. Didn't we, did we have a timeout left too? I, I can't remember. No, we had two. <laughs> yeah. Two timeouts. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So that, that insult, <laughs> right? that's like salt in an open wound, but you know, I, I really do. I think Jordan's, um, one thing he's definitely stable mentally and i don't think this is going to knock his confidence or anything i think he's going to he's going to own this and he's going to learn from it and uh, it's going to make him a better quarterback it truly is yeah jay in the chat said this uh this is he just got tunnel vision thanks to things to correct in the offseason against why well, you got to play those games and and you know get that game time uh for sure mm-hmm. let's see uh lee says uh love does seem to try to get cute at times. That seemed like one of those moments. I will say this. I can't remember who it was. Someone the game before, Dan Orlovsky, it was Dan Orlovsky, said, the only thing that worries me about Jordan Love is he said he's making all these, these you know, backup throws, these fadeaway throws, and, and his footwork, foot, footwork isn't intact, but he's got the arm talent to make the throw, and it, it looks great when it works. He said, but when you're playing a team like San Francisco – they're going to be able to capitalize on any mistakes and errant throws you have. And that's exactly what happened. You know, mm-hmm. um, you feel like the defense played good enough to win the game. Um, you, you, you win the turnover battle, you win that game, obviously. You know, listen, it, it's not just on Jordan Love. You could put blame on the defense. You could put blame on Anders Carlson. You could put blame on the long snapper who had a rough day, but it was, you know, piss poor in the rain too. Um, the one person you can't put the blame on is Aaron Jones. He played his absolute tail off, right? Um, you could put some blame on Darnell Savage. You know, he picks that ball off, probably win the ball game too. Plenty of blame to go around, but it's just crazy that you had so many things go wrong, yet you still had an opportunity to win the game. That is a positive in my eyes. Um, I get a lot of promise moving forward for sure. Uh, CL says – the team is ready to win now. I would refer to not have a DC in training. I think it's a fair point, CEO. I do. Totally valid. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, That's what we were kind of talking about, you know, like it's it's a bit of a gamble. Um, yeah. So I, you know, I don't know. And it's not even, for me, it's not even quote unquote a DC in training. I wouldn't consider it a DC in training if you got someone who called plays before, right? Some There's many people that call plays and they're not DCs, like Stephen Belichick. Right. Uh, or if it was a passing game coordinator, you wouldn't feel like, okay, mm-hmm. but making that jump from DB coach to DC would be – and we're sitting here talking like he's got the job. Watch it not even be true, right? Right. <laughs> but it, it, it still, I think it is a good conversation to have because regardless of who they hired, this is a good learning experience for everybody. You're just seeing how this whole process played out. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we'll see, though. We'll see if uh, – we'll see what actually ends up shaking out there. Um, I like what Jen Wright says, too, you know, kind of thinking of the glass half full. She says – he could be the Matt LaFleur of DCs. And that's that's the first thing that did come to mind for me, Jim, was me being so down on the Matt LaFleur hire at the time. I'm going, man, that offense stunk in Tennessee. Like, what are we why are we hiring this guy? There's a you know, a bunch of other, you know, people that that you would think would be better candidates, but it's obvious they seen something in him. They were looking to go from the Shanahan tree. They wanted that wide zone boot scheme. They wanted, you know, someone from from that vein of the NFL. They go out interview him and he uh just absolutely kicked the uh kicked or knocked the uh interview out of the park so yep. um maybe that's the same thing that happens with christian if indeed they do go with him and i'm with you tim now that now that baltimore is knocked out you're probably going to see them um there, there's going to be a flurry of interviews from that baltimore and well yeah from the baltimore side of things probably san francisco too yeah. um if, if this game continues to go the way it is there's 14 minutes left in the third quarter San Fran's are driving, but they're down 24 to 7. We'll see if they can pull it out. They're here. coming out fast here in the second half for sure. It's been yeah. all quick hitters and they're they're moving quick right now, trying to get back in this game. Yeah, but if let's say San Francisco does drop this game and then obviously Baltimore lost earlier today, I think what you're gonna see within the next 24 to 48 hours, like we said earlier, um, if you're just tuning in, I think there'll be a flurry of interviews scheduled. And we'll see if Green Bay requests the interview. You know, someone like a Chris Hewitt or, or someone like that on that staff. We'll see man, we sure goes. hope so, right? I really do, man. I'd like to see um, what he can what he can bring to the table because those defenses were really, really good, both them and San Francisco and Kansas City too, right? Kansas City is another defense that, um, you know, they, they're just – they're scrappy. Their defensive approach is we're going to bring exotic blitzes and we're just going to play aggressive. And 
it seems like on the backside, it's, hey, let's just grab their receiver if they do get behind us. And today they didn't get called for it. <laughs> let's call it yeah. what it is. They got away yeah. with it. So. so true. Yeah. And uh, Antonio Universe in the chat says, Savage gracefully makes critical mistakes in key games. The pack need to get better at safety in through the draft. Um, Got to upgrade at safety. There's no doubt about that, which we did a couple mocks the other day. This was the mock I did on my own the other day. I'll flash it up here real quick. I really liked how this one ended up. Um, I took Fuaga, offensive tackle from Oregon State with the 25th pick. And then with the 41st pick, I took Tyler Newbin. He's my favorite safety in the draft out of Minnesota. And then at 58, I took Jeremiah Trotter, Jr., linebacker out of Clemson. Uh, then with the 91st pick, I took Zach Frazier, interior offensive line. I think he could compete for the right guard spot. And then Tyler Davis, defensive line from Clemson with number 94. I think right there what you do is you get someone who could who could potentially uh, battle Rasheed Walker for the left tackle spot and who knows might, might be convertible to a guard if you need to just put your best five out there. Tyler Newman would hands down be the best safety on this defense in my opinion. Jeremiah Trotter Jr. would probably compete with Devondre Campbell for that second linebacker spot. Zach Frazier could compete for right guard if you just want Fuaga to sit as a swing tackle behind Rasheed Walker, or if Rasheed Walker becomes a swing tackle and you start Fuaga at left tackle, you got Zach Frazier to step in at right guard if he can beat those guys out there in camp, those guys being Sean Ryan primarily. And then Tyler Davis at defensive line, you just get another body in there that you can say, okay, let's create a little competition at the nose spot, right? Put a little weight on them if you need to, that type of thing. Obviously, I went with another safety, James Williams, um, safety out of Miami, because we know we need plenty of safeties in this draft. I went Marshawn Lloyd, running back out of USC, because we're talking about getting uh, one or two running backs in this draft. Austin Booker, edge out of Kansas, was just the best pick available. Sam Hartman out of Notre Dame, I think he is a, a quality quarterback. You take a swing there. And uh, you know what? See if he can beat out Sean Clifford for that backup spot. Who knows? You might you might find a gem there. I think seeing what Brock Purdy's done this year and being an MVP candidate most, if not all, the year uh, the entire year, you can't write off some of these these later round quarterbacks, right? You might you might catch lightning in a bottle. Um, Theo Johnson, tight end out of Penn State, would be our fourth tight end, and then Jerry and Jones, cornerback. Um, let me pull this down real quick. Jerry and Jones, cornerback out of Florida State. They helped bolster the cornerback room a bit. Uh, Zachary Franklin, wide receiver out of UTSA. Marcus Harris, defensive lineman out of Auburn. And I took another defensive lineman, Jordan Jefferson, uh, out of LSU. And then the final pick I made was linebacker out of Washington. I'm not going to try to say it. <laughs> Who's the best linebacker? Where's, uh, where's Jacob when you need him? Carly, shot at this. Hit it, Carly. Sorry, which one? The very bottom one, linebacker, number two fifty. Defon Ulofosio. Ulofosio. I like that. Sound like an Asian dish. That's good. <laughs> I'll probably get. I'll probably get canceled for that. So anyway, that's how my, that's how my, uh, mock draft shook out there. So um, now when we look at the AFC Championship number, well, first of all, as I pull that up, Tim, what do you think about that mock? Let's go around the horn real quick. When I did that mock, I felt good about that. It was probably the only one I felt good about. There was others I did, and I was like, I took way too many of this specific position in this situation. But I, I feel really good about it. Um, I see, I, you know, we took we took your boy from Notre Dame at 177 there. But um like that one. Know, <laughs> yeah. But uh no, you know, I've been starting I'm not a college football guy. I, I've always mm-hmm. said that. I don't I don't watch much, but uh I've been watching film on uh Tyler Newbin and you're you're absolutely right, man. If we if we can find a way to snag that kid, man, that's gonna be uh it's gonna be a good look for our defense in any scheme. I don't care who comes here. Um uh, he looks like a baller. Um but yeah, no, I like the draft. I think this was one of the better mocks that we did. We did three. Um, was this the PFF one? Uh, this, one? This, this is one I did on my own. I've got oh, okay. Two. Okay, yeah, no, this one. This one takes the cake, Clayton. I like this for sure. This if is we definitely- put up, if we put up those other three that we did, let's go with the very first one we did. All right, we took cornerback with the first pick, Lassiter, oh, okay. Georgia. We took Newbin at 41, which I had a lot to say with that. Jeremiah Trotter Jr. again at 58. Zach Frazier again in the interior offensive line. And I pretty much let you guys pick these, didn't I? Like, I was just kind of the tiebreaker, if you will. Yeah. Uh, Cedric Von Prawn, interior offensive lineman from Georgia at 91. Cornerback Max Milton uh, for Ruck, or out of Rutgers at 125. Marshawn Nealon, 
edge defender out of Western Michigan at 126. At 167, we took uh, Javen Foster, offensive tackle out of Missouri. Then we went Malik Mustafa, safety out of Wake Forest at 203. Amani Bailey, running back out of TCU at 215. Marcus Harris, defensive lineman out of Auburn at 242. And then the final pick at 250, we took Sheridan Jones, another cornerback out of Clemson. So um, I don't I don't really look at that draft and think it's bad either. I, I think all those are justifiable picks. Um, I really like the top three because you've got to create some kind of competition there in the cornerback room. You can't march back out there with with uh, Corey Ballantyne and Carrington Ballantyne as your, your boundary corner opposite Jair Alexander if you want to really compete if the best player available is sitting there, right, as a cornerback. And, and in those cases, I think that's where they sat. So we filled the majority of our needs when we did that mock draft. Um, that was the very first one. What we came away still needing after that one was two safeties, two corners, a tight end, and a defensive lineman, um, which isn't too bad. You can kind of you know, fill that in with camp inbots and the people that you've already signed off your practice squad. We were just kind of going off of grades and how people maybe performed or underperformed throughout the year. So um, what do you think about that right there, Carly? Anything stick out to you there? Anything you want to mention or are you good? Well, um, on the last one, the other one you showed, you know, wasn't Jordan Jefferson drafted like two years ago? How long ago was it? See, his, his Something, contract, I don't know how old he is, actually. Yeah, I don't know how I, many I years was, he's been there. I think it was three years ago, I believe. I could be wrong, but I think it was three years ago. But I think it's so time. crazy that somebody has the same name. It's just kind of funny. Right? I mean, that's that's. Are you, are you talking about Justin Jefferson? Justin oh. Jefferson. Of, yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. No, I am. I am. Okay. You're right. <laughs> I, I was going, wait, what, Jordan? Yeah, yeah. Into a loop there. No, I, sorry. I tell you, how cool would it be to draft Max Melton and have, have Bo going up against oh, his brother yeah. in uh, one-on-one drills at uh, at camp? That would be uh, that'd be awesome, man. Yeah, no Just doubt. Drew said he loved that draft. I'm not sure which one he was talking about. The first one. He was talking about yours. I, I started that to give you your props. That was that was the Clayton Clayton only draft was the best one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Got it. And then Reese says Clayton, don't forget Cedric Gray in one of one of the drafts. Okay. Got it. Um, let's see. SDM 40 says two or three times this year, love could have lived for the next down. Learn. Completely agree, you know. And that's why you hear people say, you know, he, he reminds you a little bit of Favre. He reminds you a little bit of Rogers. I think he reminds you more of Favre than Rogers. The off-platform stuff, he looks like Rogers, but the way he plays does kind of remind you more of Favre than Rodgers. Reading a defense, he's definitely not Brett Favre. Yeah, Brett Favre. Brett more Favre. Aaron Rodgers reading a defense. Favre was going out there and going, you know what, I know there's two guys there, but I think I can fit that thing in there. <laughs> I don't know what defense they're in, but let's just squeeze it right in. Oh, um, yeah. Let's see. Greg Rice says, is it possible uh, that Matt LaFleur has a defensive scheme already written up and just wants someone to run it? I think that's possible, Greg. I think it's – I don't think it's that simple, Greg, but I think, you know, the the skeleton of what you're saying there, you know, the structure of what you're saying, I think can be very much so true, right? I think he kind of seen it last year too. He wants a uh, bend but don't break approach. He wants to control the explosives. He said that. Sean McVay said that. Everybody from that whole coaching tree, that's how they coach, is they look at the analytics and say, okay, explosive plays, plays of 20 yards or more, that triples your chances of scoring on that drive. Let's design a defense to stop explosive plays. What's the best defense for stopping explosive plays in the passing game? It's playing shell coverage. All right. Why don't we dip into Fangio so we can maximize with zone man match principles, make it more confusing on the quarterback while still showing a shell look every single snap. You're giving them no pre-snap analysis whatsoever. And let's control the explosives that way. The explosive plays, on the running games on on the ground in the NFL are wide zone running plays. That's what the analytics show. People who run wide zone run scheme, they're the ones who hit the most explosive plays. Think of immediately think of the pin and pull play, right? The toss play to Aaron Jones for 50 some yards that led to no points, which still boggles my mind. But that play there, that's an explosive play, huge explosive, a double explosive play, if you will, right? Almost triple explosive play. That was a wide zone look, but it was out of the toss set with a pin and pull kind of look, which that's kind of what pin and pull is. So when you when you look at it from that perspective, how do you stop? How do you stop wide zone runs? You play wide nine technique. So what they did was they went with Fangio style quarters coverage with zone match principles, shell look, 
with rotation spinner post-snap looks. And they went with wide nine because those wide nines, as Mike McDaniel said, it makes it – he said, it's so hard to run wide zone on Green Bay with those effing wide uh, edges is what he said. He's talking about the wide nine look. You you really funnel all that inside. So you're controlling the explosives on the ground. You're controlling the explosives through the air. Now what's – just like everything in the NFL, if you take one thing away, they're, they're, you're going to have to give something else up. What are you giving up? You're giving up the underneath stuff. Constantly, constantly, constantly. And that's how teams are able to have these long drives. But then what happens? You end up with one of the top red zone defenses the last two years. Why is that? Because when they get down into the red zone, you've got four extra defenders. That's called the out-of-bounds line, right? So now that quarter coverage kind of becomes really like a cover eight almost. It's like you'll have you'll have three or four underneath, four in the mid, and then you got the back line of the end zone. And that's why so many teams are having to settle for field goals like that. So that's their whole approach. I say all that because, like Greg says, is it possible Matt LaFleur has a defensive scheme already written up and just wants someone to run it? I think that could be the case. Now, mm-hmm. we ran man coverage this year. The EPA and man coverage is pretty good. But the EPA, you know, if you were to uh, just focus on explosive plays within our defense, we gave up way more explosive plays playing man than we did zone. We also, uh, I think, I think uh, – all but one interception, the Jair interception where he jumped the route there against uh, Dallas. All of the interceptions this year, with the exception of that one, came in zone defense. So when you're playing man, just like everything else, you're giving up. You're you're trying to take away one thing, but you're giving up another. When you're in man coverage, you're not going to have as, as many interceptions. Why? Because your back is to the ball. You're reading the hips and the torso of the receiver. You're keeping your eyes on your work, like Lafleur says. You're not looking at the quarterback, reading his eyes, and trying to pick it off that way. That's why you get so many more interceptions playing zone. Also, it makes you a little more vulnerable against the run when you play man coverage, therefore making you more vulnerable to explosives on the ground when you play man coverage. So, um, But their EPA overall was pretty high in man coverage. It could be that his scheme, he does want to go to, to more man coverage. I hope that's not the case, but that could be it. When people see someone like Christian Parker, they immediately think, okay, he's got Fangio ties. ties. He's got more Mike Pettin ties, in my opinion, with Vance Joseph than he does Fangio ties. So you're going to see probably more of the Mike Pettin approach than that. That would suggest if Matt LaFleur does have a scheme in mind and he's going to hire someone like Christian Parker, probably is going to be a little more aggressive, right? So hopefully that makes sense. That was a long-winded answer, but that's just – just thinking out loud that I think that's probably the angle you would be going. Now watch him not hire him and take adding adding dirty and them go just heavy man coverage, single high looks <laughs> and be totally the opposite from a Christian Parker, right? That could be the case too. But it's we talk about these things as if this is all this defense runs. And that's what I've tried to point it out the last two or three years is like people make it sound like all we do is play zone and that's just not true. It's not. I mean we talked about the four candidates. I think I got it right here. Out of the four candidates, um, you had one of them run the same exact amount of man um, as uh, as we did. That was Bobby Babich in Buffalo. You know, they played 23% man coverage. We played 23% man coverage, too. Uh, Brandon Staley played 27% man coverage. Christian Parker in Denver played 27% man coverage. And Adam Dirty in Dallas played 31% man coverage. So even though Adam Dirty was second most man coverage in the league, I believe if I remember the analytics correctly, it's still, it's only, you know, what, what would that be? 8% higher than what we ran man coverage. It's not like, oh, they're just man. All they do is run man coverage. There's no defense in the league that just runs man coverage. So uh, there's a whole lot of zone mixed in there. It's just people kind of pick and choose as to what they want to complain about, you know, when it comes to the coordinator they hate, but I do like the fact that people already started saying fire Christian Parker before he was even hired. Um, which I'm gonna laugh when all these all these dudes that are on our radar and we end up hiring none of them, and it's someone we totally just didn't promote know. from within, yeah, or yeah, or just we someone totally we had was under the radar, weren't, weren't even looking at, you know. Yeah, that's how much we know, right? They, they hired the defensive coordinator from Valdosta State or something like that, right? It's out of nowhere. Doug Pointer says Newbin is a hand in glove fit for Green Bay. Man, I, I, I just if you guys haven't gotten a chance, type in Newbin N U B I N highlights and yep. go watch that guy from Minnesota. He is so much fun to watch. He's a ball hawk. He's willing to tackle. He's just got great, great first step. You see no hesitation. Now listen, it's college. I get it. 
may, maybe totally different in the pros, but really like his game uh, for sure. I love the I love that too. Glove hand in glove fit for Green Bay, right? Yeah. If it yeah. doesn't fit, don't take the pick, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Twenty four to ten now. Twenty four to ten. Detroit is up over San Francisco. Looks like San Francisco has the ball again. There's six fifty eight left in the third quarter, so they're uh, putting a comeback together. They're going with bubble screens now. Everything underneath on the outside. Debo just running through six defenders. So um, looks like San Francisco is going to make this a ball game. Um, so we'll uh, we'll see how it shakes out. We'll try to give you guys updates as we go through here. Let's see what RC said. RDC the second said, um, I think it would be prudent to interview a DC or three from the four teams playing today before pulling the trigger the next two weeks. I completely agree. Tim, you agree with that too, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Um, hey, you know, go ahead. I just think you don't want to – this is, you know – I agree with the sentiment. We don't want to rush this. I mean, this is like, this is the higher of our Packer lives right now. You know, what is the rush? Yeah, exactly. Um, so we were talking about these two defenses today and, you know, how bad would they, would they do? Would it cost someone the opportunity of being a DC? Let's look at the box score from the AFC championship real quick, right? Patrick Mahomes going up against what I think is the number one defense in the, in the league. Uh, Lamar Jackson going up against what I believe is the number two defense in the league in Kansas City with Steve Spagnola, right? You got Mike McDonald um, is the DC for Baltimore. You guys know I'm real big on Chris Hewitt, who is their passing game coordinator. I'd love to see him hired as DC in Green Bay. Now, um, when you look at the statistics, let's start with Patrick Mahomes. What did he do to the number one defense? 30 of 39 for 241 yards, one touchdown, no picks. Um, he was sacked twice. Okay. Um, Isaiah Pacheco, we know that both of these teams aren't great at stopping the run. We pointed out that Baltimore is 23rd in uh, run uh, rushing yards per attempt. San Francisco just scored, by the way. Baltimore is uh, 23rd in rushing yards per attempt, and Kansas City was 25th in rushing yards per attempt. But they were number one. Baltimore was number one in passing yards per attempt, and Kansas City was number two in passing yards per attempt. These are a mirror image of each other as far as – what they put a priority on stopping, okay? Well, Baltimore was able to shut down Isaiah Pacheco, 24 carries for 68 yards, but Kansas City stuck with the run all day. I mean, the fact that he averaged 2.8 yards a pop, uh, Patrick Mahomes scrambled for uh, 15 yards off six, and he averaged two and a half yards a pop there. Uh, the fact that they stuck with the run, it really, really, to me, the, the big difference in this game was Baltimore not sticking with their run, and it was actually working. They got really, really pass yeah. happy today, really pass happy. So – with that being said, Patrick Mahomes didn't exactly cut Baltimore apart, right? They only scored 17 points, but they did control the clock, I'm sure. Travis Kelsey had a day, and you've seen all of those choice routes, Tim. I don't, I don't know yeah. how much of the game you watched, but it was just those guys were finding space and sitting down, wasn't they? Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Anyway, it wasn't just Kelsey. Um, I forget the other tight end's name. He was getting looks, too. Um, but you're absolutely right, man. It was – and that's the that's the dagger every time, right? You get, you get your – defensively you got your opponent in third and eights, third and nines, third, you know, third and long situations. And they're just every single time they're just converting on you with these, with these little choice routes with a tight end or, you know, a receiver. And it's just, I don't know. It was crazy to see uh MVS grab that game, game ceiling catch today on a, on a ball that we've seen him drop 12,000 times. <laughs> right. You know, see, what I a great it. catch. I seen a 49er run through the end zone, but evidently they didn't score. It's still 24 to 10. It's second and goal now, uh, third quarter, 530 left. And uh, San Francisco's got the ball. Y'all want a little play by play? Here we go. One of the doubles look, Brody back. Uh, oh, Purdy back. About through a pick in the end zone. Holy cow. Try to hammer the slant in the double coverage. Brandon Ayuk is upset. So sorry about that, bud. Hate to see it. Third and uh, goal. Yeah. Um, so Travis Kelsey again, eleven catches for 116 yards. Rasheed uh, Rice eight eight catches for 46 yards. MVS had a couple catches too. So I feel like there's nothing that Baltimore's defense did that you go, I don't know, maybe they're not as good as we thought. I feel like they played up to par. Now let's talk about Kansas City's defense. Lamar Jackson 20 of 37 for 272, um, had one touchdown, one interception that was thrown into triple coverage. So Kansas City, if anything, they came out and played really really strong today on defense, right? As San Francisco did score just now. Look like Brandon Ayuk. When we talk about Clayton before we jumped on, I, I had a feeling that San Fran wasn't going to just lay down and die. Yeah, They're no. going to fight. So yeah. 
could be a good ball game here down the yeah. stretch. Um, so with the running game for Baltimore against Kansas City's defense, you know, we pointed out that Kansas City had the 25th uh, worst uh, or 25th best, I should say, um, running defense, right? So they're in the bottom third of the league. It's just mind-boggling to me that that Baltimore, they ran eight times with Lamar Jackson, and many of those were scrambles. They had a couple of quarterback power plays, things like that. But Gus Edwards running back, three carries for 20 yards. Zay Flowers, two carries for four yards. Justice Hill, three carries for three yards. You were averaging 5.1 yards a carry. You only ran it 16 times. And you wonder why you lost the game. Yeah. Um, and, and they were still in that game until like five minutes left in the fourth quarter. Kansas City just kept their – Baltimore's defense kept giving – them a chance to win that game they just couldn't capitalize on offense um you're right about that with with lamar man those design runs out of shotgun where he just kind of picks watch watches that line work and picks a spot i mean he broke off a huge huge explosive play uh with that and then you're right they just shied away from it and got extremely pass heavy and it it killed them it really did yep zay flowers had five catches for 115 yards and a touchdown um, his long was 54. Nelson Aguilar had one catch for 39 yards. Uh, Justice Hill had four catches for 34 yards. Odell Beckham Jr. had three catches for 22 yards. So you had what one, two explosive plays in the passing game for Baltimore. You had one, two explosive plays for Kansas City in the passing game. So both defenses stood tall. I thought Baltimore answered the bell on their defensive side of the ball. They just their offense just couldn't couldn't get it in the end zone and kept turning them. They turned the ball over down there inside the red zone when they could have kicked a field goal and changed the whole dynamic of the game. Uh, Kansas City too passed on a field goal, got stuffed on fourth down, which mom, was mind boggling to me. So, you guys are going. This is a Packer podcast. Why are you talking about that? Because some of these coaches are going to come available. So number yep. one and number two defense in the league, in my opinion, and they both kind of held their ground against two pretty strong offenses. So I don't think anything changes there when you look at their defensive stats um Roquan Smith my goodness used to be a Chicago Bear 16 tackles had a quarterback hit dude's a different animal in this defense I just if you were to hire someone from Baltimore's coaching staff in Green Bay that's what I want to see happen to Quay Walker that gives me to say man can you can you imagine Quay with with that type of direction that's that's what you hope for for sure. On the other side, Kansas City, uh, the only thing that really stood out to me with Kansas City, they have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven quarterback hits, right? Baltimore have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight quarterback hits. Okay. So both defenses somewhat got after the quarterback, but Patrick Mahomes had a lot more time to throw, I feel like, than Lamar did. But it did kind of feel like they were playing a little more coverage on Baltimore's defensive side as opposed to Kansas City trying to trying to force that rush in there on Lamar. So, um, yeah, that's kind of how we see that. Anything y'all want to add? Carl, you want to add anything? Questions, comments, thoughts, anything? No, but what Tim said about MVS catching that that last huge pass, I texted you at that. Yeah, right. Of course, of course he would do that. I was totally up with that. I got to see about 10 seconds of the game because my kids seemed hell-bent on making sure I didn't see any of it. But uh, what I did see was pretty fun. Chris, Chris was like, I ain't dealing with it today, wasn't he? Did he watch the game too or not? No, no, no. neither of us got to. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. Parent problems. There you go. That's all mm-hmm. right. It's worth it. It's worth it. it Tim, what about so you, man? Anything else you want to add to what we just covered there from the AFC Championship and more specifically these top two defenses? Um, no, just echoing the same sentiment. You know, hopefully we can uh, we can snag someone if they become available. At least get them in the building. Like we said, we don't know. We don't have our – I mean – I'm as close as I can possibly be, and I could couldn't still couldn't be further away from what's really going on inside of twelve sixty five. So uh, you'd like to think we get a couple candidates up here, uh, at least in the interview process, because um, I really do. I believe that if you if you take the time to interview a multitude of candidates for a position, you're going to give yourself a better chance uh, to make the right hire. So you know, rather than just letting one or two guys come in and impress, and then oh, you know, this is our guy. You know, yeah. I think you should go through the process, trust the process, and uh, make the best hire. So hopefully we do see uh, some of those AFC uh, D, uh, DC candidates come to Green Bay for an interview. Yeah, for sure. San Francisco just got a strip fumble on a run on a running play, and they got the ball back on Detroit's side of the ball or just, just side of the field. So 
the San Francisco about to tie this thing up. This is going to be a dandy. It's going to be a heck of a finish. So we'll get out of here real quick and uh, so everybody can go watch it. Um, it is kind of fun watching the game with you guys alongside you too, though, um, seeing people comment on it too. Let's see Doug Pointer in the chat said, uh, to take nothing from you, Clayton, uh, but wouldn't be – uh, wouldn't we tailor our D to the personnel uh, we and we hopefully will have some new faces on D next year? Um, I don't believe in that whole, all right, what do you got on the roster? Let's change our whole thinking philosophy around what we got on the roster. You know, it, we not that you're doing this, though, but I think many people paint it out like this defense is so much more different than this defense. It's not that different. Even, you know, the biggest difference you probably have is this is what you've got, a 34 base front or a 43 base front, right? Do you got a defense that likes to play more nickel and dime than they do base, like intentionally when a 12 or 21 is out there? That's an aspect. Do you play middle field open or middle field close more, right? And do you play man coverage or zone coverage? You know, the only way that I would say, yeah, you tailor it around that is if you think you've got a team that can play man coverage better than zone. I don't know if this secondary can play either good, to be honest with you. I'm not trying to dog them, but we've seen them blow coverage in man. We've seen them blow coverage in zone. Now, is the is the message not being taught well enough? That could be the case, right? That could definitely come into, into play. Um, I think we definitely came up short in that regard when you talk about players not performing to their level. Brock Purdy just took off and ran like Mike Vick. Look at this cat. You kidding me? Um, so, I don't know, man. I, don't, I think that's a little bit overblown. To be honest with you, point Doug, you know, one of the other things people talked about just to draw a parallel on offense was the motion. We don't have what happened to all the motion. Where's the motion at when Aaron was quarterback that last year? We ran more motion that year than we did the year before. I would I would venture to say we probably ran more motion under Aaron Rodgers this last year than we did this year. Like it just kind of felt like that. Um, I don't know what the exact numbers show, but that's something else that kind of gets blown out of proportion too, you know. So uh I think it's just convenient for some people to, you know, want to want to point to to certain aspects when it doesn't necessarily tell the whole story. But again, you would you would like to, you know, if you're going to run a zone heavy defense, which by the way, every defense in the league runs a zone heavy defense, right? They run zone more than they run man, like we pointed out with the numbers. Um, then obviously you want players that play better in zone than than they do man. But I don't think a GM looks at it like that. I think a GM goes, all right, who is the best player available right now? And let's, our coaches should be able to coach them up on what they can do. Now, where I do kind of agree with you, Doug, is this whole idea of let's draft a corner and play them at safety or let's draft a, uh, you know, a, a, a defensive lineman like Lucas Van Ness. You know, he did his damage with his hand in the dirt, and I expected him – I wanted to see him as an interior defensive lineman in our nickel set. We didn't see it this year. He played outside linebacker the whole time. Greg Cosell said as training camp started, he said, I'm hearing out of Green Bay that – Lucas Van Ness is going to be playing as an outside linebacker. And he said, that really shocks me because I thought he would be a better interior pass rusher. Um, but that's another example of them going up. Don't care what, don't care what you do. Well, we're going to make you fit what we want you to do. I do agree with you in that sense, Doug. So I think it is a valid point in that regard. Um, yeah. Let's see what else we got here. Eric Sutherland, Newbin only benches 225 10 times. He stinks, LOL. It's coming. It's coming, Eric. Get ready for it. It'll also be he doesn't change direction very well while he's running around in his underwear. That'll you be another sure thing. sure about that? <laughs> I don't know. I haven't seen that yet. <laughs> All right. We're at the 55-minute mark. Let's wrap this thing up and go around the horn here. Well, we got some – you got a few of these marked, don't you? Let's see here. Drew D says in the chat, Dan Campbell could have had three, changed the momentum by going for it. Boom, touchdown 49ers game change. It's the only thing that really kept uh, Baltimore in the game till the end earlier, too, against Kansas City. If they had kicked that field goal when they had the opportunity, if they had hit it, of course, um, then I don't even think it would have came down to those final couple of drives for Baltimore. So I'm big, I'm I'm big team take points, right? That's me. Take the points when you can. Take them every time. Yep. Um, Let's see here. Paul Robertson <laughs> says Dan Campbell channeling, uh, channeling that old Lions energy. God, if they collapse, could you imagine? Oh my goodness. Um, let's see. Eric Sutherland says, "Don't take three and give up seven. That's why Lions fans can't have nice things." <laughs> love it. And Doug, oh. Point, we already hit on that one. Good stuff. Yeah, that's hilarious. I love it. I love the chat. 
no, nah, this is this is a good time to do to to hang out with the chat too. You know what I mean? Not a whole lot to talk about until the DC decision is made. We covered a bunch of salary cap stuff earlier today. We've been doing roster eval. We did a couple mock drafts. Um, we've got a lot of information we've gathered. I'm excited for some of these important dates coming up. But let's go around the horn one time. Um, I like this right here. SDN40 says thumbs up, thumbs down to Carly, making me feel lazy. She's over here doing a podcast folding laundry. You love it. Love to see it. Um, yeah. Look at this. Drew D says Clayton finished on time today. Wow. Thanks, Drew. Appreciate it, buddy. Hey, okay. it's not it's not over yet. <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> but it goes off the rails. Let's see if we can finish on time. Tim, what else you got, buddy? Oh, well, then I'll I'll keep it brief. Um, hey, I know we're a little down because we're not playing in this game. Uh, we should be playing in this game tonight. Um, but make no mistake. Just here to tell you, pack is back. <laughs> We're still here. We're still back. We will still be in the mix. Looking forward to a, a bright future at 1265. So stay positive out there, regardless of uh, how down it feels to not be playing in this title game. We'll we'll be back for sure. And it is officially tied up 24 to 24. <laughs> Absolutely wild. Greg Ross says, we're not leaving. I'm not going to, so quit asking. It is. Carly, what else you got? Anything else? No, I just wanted to share something. Um, we had a, like, just kind of a late Christmas get-together with my folks. Uh, yesterday they came in town, and we got for Christmas this, whoops, Hall of Fame bobblehead oh, wow. thing that was only available to Lambo, I guess, employees. And this was the uniforms they won in their 1929 and 1930 NFL championships that they won. That is awesome. So, Love that. Yeah, Love I thought that. I would just share it with you. I got Exclusive. my... Exclusive. I like it. Yeah. Mandy is so. big on bobbleheads, too. She's got me a ton of bobbleheads back here. She's real big on the bobbleheads, for sure. She'd love that. So, um, yeah. that's good stuff. And that was just for the employees. Is that right? Yeah. That's yeah. cool that they do stuff like that. That's awesome. It is pretty that's awesome, awesome. yeah. All right. Um, well, speaking of that, I did get get a couple screen grabs from our merch store, guys. We're still working on different designs. I've got Justin, uh, the graphics guy from Packernet Podcast, does an excellent job um, creating graphics. He's creating an alternate version of this. Carly put together a really cool coffee cup. We got several different coffee mugs, several different shirts. This is one of the designs we've got right now, just keeping it simple. Packer Fan Total Access is what the channel's official name is going to be. Um, so there's just a, a hoodie. You can go multiple colors. The graphic will stay the same. I'm working on a white graphic to go on darker hoodies. And then we're going to do like a really cool alternate to that too. Another one we did just green Bay football PTA with the PTA logo under. I like that one. I think it looks pretty clean. You can tell I got boring designs and then green Bay football with the PTA PTA logo with kind of that larger font too. So we got some cool stuff coming out. There's a hat in there too. A couple mugs. There's a shot glass. There's a shot glass now. Carly, you're gonna get everybody yeah, in trouble. Here we go. <laughs> so yeah, we got a, we got a bunch of stuff. So I know people were asking. I'm not gonna promote that stuff often, but the store is up and running, so you guys can go grab what you need. I wish we could make the process cheaper, but I tell you what, it's just it, which is it's crazy too, though. Tim was pointing out that hoodies at the pro shop go for like 90 bucks. Ours is like 49 bucks or something like that. So it made me feel a little bit better. I've got a couple hoodies on the way, and we're going to do giveaways going forward, too. By the way, those of you who won the, the giveaways in the last month, we're about to send a huge shipment out. So we're going to get all that merch out to you guys, all the you know the autographed David Bakhtiari jersey, the two autographed cards, all that stuff. We're going to be giving away a Jaden Reed autographed uh, rookie card as well. Uh, we'll be doing that probably this coming week, so uh, stay tuned for that. And then moving forward, until we get more autographed memorabilia, we'll give out free merch uh, with some of our giveaways. I think that'd be cool, too, so. Um, I definitely want to get um, both Cheesehead Murph and Eric Sutherland coffee mugs with their names as we know them in here on the coffee mug because they were the very two, uh, the very first two members of the PTA posse. And I just I, I think it's awesome that they're kind of on that Mount Rushmore. So we're going to get you guys a coffee mug here real soon. I got to get that. Hey, put you guys, as so. soon as they get them, they're going to be like. I, I know, I know. Cheesehead Murph won't won't be entitled, but Eric will never let the guys hear the name. Of it, right? He'll be he'll change his profile pic to him sipping out of that mug just to rub it in. <laughs> now, Eric, you can't say anything's rigged. If anything, it's rigged for you, buddy. All right, so there you go. All right, we're out of here. Appreciate everybody hanging out with us. Um, yeah, let's uh. One more, one more right here. Dick in the chat says, I'd be interested to hear you break down how the Chiefs play defense against the Ravens. They were so aggressive. I would be all about that, man. Um, I just don't know if it would 
be well received by Packer fans. You know, I don't know how much Packer fans like that kind of con- now. Here's the thing. Here's what I'm trying to hold out for. Once our DC is hired, we're going to do a special chalk talk and we're going to take clips from the, the defense they're coming from and say, okay, here's what they did well. And, and just try to show some of the highlight reels from it. If it is Christian Parker, we got our work cut out for us. It's going to be hard to find some highlights from that Denver Broncos. It's <laughs> being real. But hopefully we'll have plenty next year. So I really want to do that. I would be all about that, breaking down the tape like you just asked there. Um, it's just I don't know how much our listeners and viewers would want to see that. So um, I think it is cool to kind of to kind of keep – your finger on the pulse of what the best defenses and best offenses are doing around the league because it is a copycat league, right? It definitely is. So, all right, we're out of here. Appreciate everybody hanging out with us. You guys are absolutely awesome. Carly, thank you for joining us in Fogan Clothes. Way to, way to multitask. Tim, thank Thanks you. Thanks for, for letting me be here. <laughs> all right, it was fun. We had a good time. So we will see you guys tomorrow morning for Good Morning Lambo. Uh, for those of you listening on the pod, thank you for making us a part of your day. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world and go pack up. The power sweep. Actually, it's the it's the lead play in our in our offense. Yes, a YN or a tight end to open up somewhere between six feet and nine feet. Get an isolation with the with the linebacker. He's on the tackle. He takes the defensive end if he's open. If he's not, to drive down on the first man to his inside. If the YN has the linebacker taken out. He cuts inside. If the YN has the linebacker here. Comes all the way around. If you look at this play, we're trying to get a seal here and a seal here and try to run this play in the alley.